Hey, you know, uh, we are not, okay, here it is. Where we are is not all that there is. So, so like where, where we are, be it, you know, Maryland or Gaithersburg or any city that you live in is, is not the end all be all of what is actually out there. Um, we've had the privilege of, of doing some, some traveling over the past two years and uh, more so than the other 19 years of our lives. Okay, anyway, that was, that was maybe it was weak. Maybe y'all just want to, sorry. Well, we're, we're not 21. We're older than that, but I won't tell you our age. So anyway, uh, we, we've, had, we've had the privilege of doing some traveling. And um, let me just tell you, man, you, you go to other places and the food is amazing. Um, the, the culture, the, the buildings, the streets, the, the different colors, the people, it's, it, it's, it's great. The recreational things that, that you can do. We, we just came from Memphis recently. And let me tell you, if you've never been to Memphis, you got to go for the barbecue at least. My God, the barbecue. They got a place there called Gus's Fried Chicken, world famous fried chicken. And I'm, you know, we're going into downtown Frank and I'm like, I don't like fried chicken. I don't even want fried chicken. And so um, I, I like it. But, you know, I, I, I was I was raised on it. So it's like uh, I've had the best of the best. You know what I mean? And so we were in downtown and she went and, and, and led us to Gus's Fried Chicken and we went in and who wrote Mom, I love grandma. This is my mom, everyone. Give a hand clap to my mother. She's in the building. Yeah. I love grandma, and I know she's in heaven frying some chicken for the Lord, but whew, that Gus's fried chicken, it has an anointing on it. So if you're ever in Memphis, you, you, you go to Gus's fried chicken. Or, or when we went to uh, the National Civil Rights Museum there, um, it's an amazing museum, and you start out, and it starts out with the, the history of African Americans, black Americans from the slave trade all the way up into modern day. And um, I mean, you can find yourself in there five or six hours if you just take the time. Um, Pastor Kyra was torn up, just tears, tears, tears. You you end the, you know, your your tour at the hotel room where Martin Luther King Jr. had stepped out. You ended on the ledge there where he actually got shot. It was just a, a powerful, reflective moment. But you, you can't go 15 minutes down the road here in Gaithersburg and experience that. It's, it's, out, it's outside of here. So essentially put, stating, you know, there are more cities and great experiences out there. And I'd like to propose that we would place our hope in a place beyond this earth. That there is another place beyond the earth. And um, Jesus, Jesus said it like this in, in Matthew 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, verse 33. He said this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Here's, let's read it again. Seek the kingdom of God. Someone say this here, above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. There's, a, there's a, a kingdom outside of this earthly kingdom. The word in the Greek kingdom, which is the language here that they translate it, is territory or land. So, so Jesus says, seek that territory. Seek 
that land live according to the, I'm God, I can't wait to get into this next week. I'm already ready for next week. This man, I was up till midnight preparing for today. I'm like, next week is already, already there, but live according to the principles of that kingdom and, and watch that kingdom be activated in this kingdom. So, and, and then everything you need will, will be there. So, so like I said, a lot of note taken today, there've been a lot of great umpires that have existed throughout the course of human history. You got umpires like Assyria, uh, Persia, Rome, Babylon, you know, Great Britain, and then now, you know, America, so on and so forth. And, and there's, a, there's a trend that, that all of these great nations follow. Go ahead and write these things down. There's a trend. And number one, that, that first thing there is what's called outburst. Outburst. Outburst, or you can put pioneering. It's when, you know, like how America broke out of Great Britain, there was an outburst or pioneering. You, you, you're turning four years old as a church tomorrow. You, you are still pioneering. This, just to let you know, we're, we're just getting started as a church. So you're building what God is going to do. Part of our trip in Memphis was we were visiting a church that was 24 years old. Last week, we talked about consistency in Christ, consistency in calling, consistency in church. That church, Anthony, started just like our church. But now there are 14,000 people, six permanent locations, one in Chile and another one that they're starting in New York. They just bought some, some property in New York for, I think, $7 million. But, but they, they know what a 400 grand budget looks like. But it's consistency, right? The, the lead pastor is 53. I'm, I'm 33. So, it's, you know, it's, but they, they, at, at a certain point, you've got to pioneer. You've got to start. After pioneering, there's conquest. So you take land. Week two of next week, we're going to be launching 20 locations. God has given us the mandate to, to come on, we can celebrate that. That's how the 9 a.m. So come on. We're going to have 20 locations by 2040 because we got territory to take. There are more people that, that need to hear the gospel of Jesus. More lives need to be changed. More outreach to do. More money to give away. More of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of heaven needs to spread throughout Maryland. So there's conquest where you take land. I love it if you read the book of Joshua. When Joshua was an old man, God told him, God says, you're, you're an old man now. And God, God doesn't have an age. How old are you? You know what I mean? Like he says, you're an old man now and there's still a lot of land that you haven't conquered. So like, can I just rest? <laughs> you know, but he was like, no, there's always you know, for movement in your life. You're never supposed to stop. So it's conquest, then there's commerce for every empire. Empire, con commerce, where the business is set up and the industries are set up. And then after commerce, there's affluence. The money is flowing. You know, the top GDP in the world, America and China, the money is flowing. But then after the affluence, we get into the age of intellect where this is where societies become smarter than God. So we need them out of our schools. We need them out of our politics. We're one nation. We're no longer one nation under God. Don't say that. This is when societies become smarter than God and they advance in technology. And then after intellect, there's decadence. This is the, the start of a fall of a nation, decadence. It's when a nation gets settled. Uh, we're going to always be here. No one can touch us. And then eventually, the decline and the fall of a nation. 
I think America is in the, in the stage of intellect decadence. And then before you know it, the division sets in. The division, the, the you and the you and the this and the that and the division. And before you know it, the fall happens and China takes over. <laughs> China. It's funny to me. So the average lifespan of any empire is, here it is, 240 years. America's a little bit older than that. Praise the Lord. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for the church. It's really what's keeping America on top is the kingdom of heaven in America. And so, so Christ came into the world. He was born. Israel was looking for a Messiah or a military leader, a deliverer. And Israel wanted someone who was going to restore them to military and economic prominence. But Jesus said, I didn't come to put money in your pocket. I didn't come to help you defeat your enemies. I came to bring a spiritual kingdom. Because if I get the spirit part of you right, you're a spiritual being having a human experience. If I get the spiritual part of you right, everything else will flow out. Typically, as humans, we want the outside. We want the flesh. We want the money. But the soul is the thing that needs to be right. So he came into the earth. He lived a sinless life. Praise the Lord for that. He shed his blood on the cross. He died. He rose from the grave. He stuck around for 40 days. And he said, wait on the power of the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit. So when you come to Christ, you receive the spirit of God in your heart. And the church was born and the kingdom of God began to to reign in the earth. And so the kingdom of God, i.e. the church, is 1,000, go ahead and write this down, 987 years old. 1,987 years old. The average kingdom lasts 240 years. So 240 to almost 2,000 years has the kingdom of God triumphed. And I want to give you three reasons why the kingdom has triumphed. Number one, go ahead and write this down. Number one is because the kingdom of God is spiritual. The kingdom of God is spiritual. John 18, 36 says this, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight. Stop. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know, like, or, you know, when Christians fight, I just, it doesn't make sense don't make sense to God. It doesn't make sense to, personally, it doesn't make sense to me. It's like, he says this here, if, if my followers were of this world, they would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. The, the kingdom has triumphed because it's spiritual. And put it to you like this, write this down. The physical cannot stop the spiritual. It'll it a, it a try Tough times will try, hard times will try, burdens will try, but the physical cannot stop the spiritual and what God is doing in your life. They, they, could have, they put him on a cross, they put him in the grave, but he still got up. So, because his kingdom is spiritual. And number two, the other reason why the kingdom has triumphed is number two, is superior. Someone say superior. It's superior. That's the tagline of this series. The influence of of a more superior place, kingdom, is superior. Here it is, Isaiah 66. This is what the Lord says. Here it is. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Heaven is my throne. 
So if there's a kingdom, what sits on the throne? A king. You need a king if there's a kingdom. I'll break this down more next week. And, and so what he's saying is, is that the throne where I sit is superior to where my feet rest. So the earth is the Lord's footstool. It is a superior kingdom, Olivia. And he says this, could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. Peace out. Love God. Here it is. The kingdom of heaven is everything that the world is not. It is not broken. It is not inferior. It is not temporary. The kingdom of heaven is everything the world is, is not. And in Genesis, you saw the manifestation of the kingdom of heaven before the fall of man. It was, it was, it was, it was great. Everything was there. Every need was met. The relationship was good until it all got messed up. I'm going to be talking about next week how a foreign enemy, a foreign king came in and, and, and he stole the kingdom of heaven upon the earth for a moment. And then the king had to come from heaven and get his kingdom back. And then when he did that and rose from the grave, he gave the keys to Peter, to the kingdom. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But it, it's superior. The other reason why the kingdom of heaven has triumphed is number three is because it's eternal. Write that down. It's eternal. The, the Greek word here for eternal or eternity means beyond the horizon. If you're ever at the beach next time and you're in the water, don't get too far out there now. Things like the nibble on your feet. Y'all know y'all can't take me nowhere. You can't take me camping. You can't take me to the beach. Don't introduce me to a dog I don't know. Like, we don't do it, right? But if you're ever in the water, look out as far as you can. Right, you, you can picture it now. When you look out, I, I just do it. It's a prayerful moment for me. I look out, and, and it's like, is, is the world circular? Is it flat? You know, that's the flat theory. Or is it a square? Because it seems like when you look out, it seems like, man, like, doop, like you just fall. But we know that's not true. We know that there's something beyond the horizon. There's more water. There's more land. There are probably boats. There are people. There, there's more life out there. That's the concept of eternity. It's, it's be, even though you can't see it, doesn't mean that it's not real. So Jesus said, seek that, that place that you can't see. Because Paul says that we live by faith, not by sight. And that's when we get tripped up. We see the bank account get low. We see this, this relationship mess up. We see our business mess up. We see this person. And we get tripped up because we're keeping our eyes on what we can see versus seeking the kingdom that we can't see. Paul had a good grip on this concept of eternity. Paul was sent of Jesus Christ not to minister to Jewish people, but to minister to Gentiles. And he says this here. I love it. As he was, as he was in chains in a, in a Roman prison, he said this here. He says to the church in Philippi, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed. Here it is. I love this. But that I will continue to be bold for Christ. So I'm in prison. 
But 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 I'm I want to be I want to continue to advance the kingdom of heaven in the earth as I have been in the past last week consistent. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. Here it is, whether I live or die. My whole my whole mentality, Paul says, is to bring honor to Christ in everything that I do. And if I'm living, he's going to get the glory. If I die, he's going to get the glory. And then he goes on here. For to me, for me, personally, for me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. Whoa. That, that's a whole paradigm shift, Olivia. Because a lot of us are afraid of death. But, but you, you little... You little 40, 50, 60, 70, I don't mean to, you know, if you've lost anyone, I don't mean to make light of that, but, you know, 70, 80, 90 years, if you're blessed enough, it's just a little. Frank, I can't even fit your eyes in that. It's just a little smidget of your existence. And a lot of Christians are afraid to die and, and to lose loved ones who are, who are Christians and who are saved because we don't understand the concept of eternity. And so Paul says, if I live, it's all good. God is going to be glorified. If I die, it's even better. And he tells us, he tells us why. He says, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I want to be here and do my thing, but also want to go and party at home with Jesus. He says this here. He says this here. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be better for me personally, but I love it. I love it. I love it. He says, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. He said, either way, I'm either Lord, you're going to leave me here to bless people, to, to be a beacon of hope, a beacon of light, a beacon of strength, a pillar of strength and wisdom for people. Or Lord, whenever you're ready, you can take me home. Because all this is it's temporary. This thing we live in right here, it's a tent. That's why it gets gray. That's why it breaks down. That's why it starts to slouch over. Because it's a tent. And the reason why the kingdom of heaven is unstoppable is because it's eternal. And so I want to give you three points of encouragement real quick. I'm almost done. Y'all all right? Like, you're just getting started now. I'm working on my timing now. I, w I want to make you feel like, man, I got to come back next week, you know. So come on, put your hands together if this is blessing you already. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So three points of encouragement. Number one, the kingdom of heaven is the remedy. It's the remedy. It, it, it's, it's the remedy for a hurting, desperate, dark world. And... um. Right now, a lot, a, lot, a lot of people are hurting, confused. There's a new um, article CNN just presented about um, the mental trauma of this season. It's just dark and it's crazy. The comedian Jim Carrey, who as he's gotten older, he's gotten a little bit more serious, but he, he said this. He says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. You know, so, so on one end, I, you know, I'll, I'll preach that analogy about faith and how Jim Carrey, at one point in his life, he wrote himself a $10 million check. And he said, acting services rendered. 
So have faith like Jim, write the check and have faith. But it's the same Jim that I'll preach about. And he's saying, once you get it all, hey, Jim, it's not the answer. I put it to you like this. I think everyone should get the candidate in the White House that they want and that they've ever dreamed of, and they'll find out that he is not the answer. Biden is not the answer. Trump is not the answer. Kamala Harris, I love you, sis, is not the answer. (laughs) Vice President Pence, not the answer. A vaccine, it's not the answer. And And so it says this here, like, like, so we, we talked about Israel and this prominence that they wanted from the Messiah. So the Messiah was born. He was 29 years old. He was in their midst. He's in here right now. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here. He was in their midst, and, and this is how he started his ministry. He said this. It says, in the land of Zebulun, Matthew 4, verse 15, in the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. So Jesus had moved to, to beside the Sea of Galilee. And then it said this, this is the first thing that was out of Jesus's mouth to address the darkness and the despair and the pain and the discouragement. These were the first words. This is how he inaugurated and started the kingdom of heaven and the earth. He said this, from then on, Jesus began to preach, proclaim, shout forth, yell, speak, spit it out. This was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Repent of your sins. Oh, whoa. I'm broke. I need healing. God knows. He knows what you need. But he also understands that the answer to all of that the remedy to what you need, the word repent means to turn to God. Before I give you all that, because I can give you all that, but if you don't turn to God, you'll lose it. So he says, repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So the kingdom is is the remedy. That's where the healing, that's where the power, that's where the provision. It's seek first the kingdom. Seek, he broke my heart. Seek the kingdom. I lost my job. Seek the kingdom. I lost my loved one. I'm sorry. Seek the kingdom in everything you need will be added on to you. Number two, what I love about the kingdom is, is that it's accessible. It's accessible. And, and so... There was a religious leader named Nicodemus, and uh, he wasn't supposed to be rubbing elbows with Jesus. Jesus was the new guy in town. He didn't dress like them. He didn't, he didn't have a formal education. He had a few ragtag people following him. He was doing all these powerful things. And so Nicodemus, the Bible says, came at nighttime. Why we got to do that? <laughs> I'm doing so good. Let me behave. <laughs> Nicodemus came at nighttime. He's like, um, we know that your power is from God, um, all the miraculous signs. And, and Jesus didn't even address him. He said this in verse 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, 
you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How, how can an old man go back into his mother's belly and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter, so you can't see it. Watch the steps here. You have to perceive it first. And then he said, you cannot enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. I'll break that down some other time. We actually have in our past series. But what Jesus is saying here, he's saying um, you need to have a spiritual rebirth. Like I said, my mom and grandma kept me in church all my life, every other Sunday, every Sunday or so. And, and that was seed and, and water and fertilizer. But it wasn't until 19 years old in the English building in Tallahassee, Florida, at Florida A&M University, where I received what's called a personal revelation of who Jesus is. And, and, and so Jesus asked his disciples when he was on the earth, he said, um, who, do, who do men say that I am? Who, who does... And they said, uh, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah the prophet. Some, some say you're a great prophet. And he said, Peter, who do men say that I am? He said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, son of the living God. And so Jesus said, whoa. Flesh and blood, your pastor, your mom, your grandma, your auntie, that didn't come from them. He said, only that could have come from my father in heaven. And he said, now, Peter, I'm going to build. Peter's name means rock. He says, now I'm going to build my church, my kingdom on this rock. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. What do keys do, Anthony? They shut and they open. It gives access to the superior, the eternal kingdom of heaven. So you got to have a personal revelation of what Jesus has done for you. A lot of people say, I've tried church and I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're there. But until you actually know who Jesus is for yourself, until you understand that he died for you, he rose from the grave. He is your savior. He is your healer. He is your provider. It's going to be tough to see and to understand kingdom, kingdom language, kingdom things. So it's accessible to, to, to everyone. Really, go ahead and write that down. It's accessible to everyone. Um, when you go to Disney, there's a price of admission. Be ready to pay it. We, we, we go at the end of every 21-day fast. We get out of here because it gets freezing. Last week of January, first week of February. We're out and we're down there with Mom Dukes. Don't just be ready to pay for the tickets, but also be ready to pay for the food and, and the paraphernalia and all the stuff for the kiddos. There is no price of admission into the kingdom of heaven. The price is simply faith in Jesus. Come on, put your hands together. If you know you're saved and if you know it's free, thank God that he paid the price for the sins of mankind on the cross. All of heaven is open up for you. All of it. Come on now. And so another point of encouragement here is it's, it's the remedy is accessible. And number three, it's active. It's active. The kingdom of heaven is active in the earth right now through the lives and the hearts of believers. Because when we think of a kingdom, Olivia, we think like, 
where is it? Like Jesus should be right there. We should be able to see him just like Israel. And we think, man, we should just be having a heyday. But right now God is having to telecommute. He's having to rule in heaven through the hearts of believers. So, so, so it's active in one day, that thing that's in your heart, the Bible says that God has placed eternity in your heart. And it also says in Romans that we are all eager to see the sons of God revealed. So what does that mean? That means we're all eager for the day where things are going to be perfect, where there is no more pain, where there are no more tears, where there is no more hurt, no more headaches. We're all eager for it in our souls. That's the kingdom of heaven in you. That, that's eager to come forth. One day, what's in your heart is going to actually be a physical kingdom when heaven comes down and it, and it overtakes the earth. I mean, this is after Satan is judged. This is after heaven is going to come down. That's what's in your heart right now. That's, that's what you yearn for. But until then, the kingdom of God is active through the hearts and the lives of, of believers. I love, um, I love places like Chick-fil-A. Come on. That, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's kingdom chicken. Come on, put your hands together for kingdom chicken, kingdom barbecue. It, it, it's, it's kingdom chicken. Why? Because Truett Cathy believes in Christ. And, and the value, I mean, you come on now, you go through the drive through. Uh, I'll take that uh, num- uh, you know, 12 count, uh, large fry, hold the salt, uh, lemonade, extra ice, Give me that Polynesian, that barbecue, and that Chick-fil-A sauce, or whatever you like. You pull up to the window, and what do they do? They give it to you, and they say, oh, yeah, my pleasure. That's kingdom. That, 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 that's kingdom. That's, and, and, and so how about this? Chick-fil-A makes the most per store out of any fast food restaurant in the world, and it's closed on Sunday. What is the big secret? kingdom. So Truett Cathy, he said this, the founder, I believe that you can combine biblical principles. Oh man, I almost preached that. I got to wait till next week. No, we're going to do it. The Holy Spirit not let me take that off. Biblical principles. So we said that the kingdom is superior. We, we live and we currently operate in a broken, inferior, temporary world. When you live, so, all right, so a kingdom has four elements. A king, land, a territory, a law, the principles, and citizens. Next week. All right, here it is. So the law or the principles, if you, if you violate the principles, you come under the burden of the consequences. We're okay? We, we big enough for this? We're grown enough for this? All right. If you honor the principles, you remain under the blessing of the kingdom. So, so wait, because we're it, because right now it's the kingdom in an inferior kingdom and we have things that come against us and that push us back and that hurt us and that try to break us. What happened is, is this when you honor the principles of the superior kingdom. The principles of the superior kingdom will override the burden and, 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 and the toughness and the tightness of the inferior kingdom. So, so Truett Cathy is saying, yeah, it's chicken. 
There are a lot of companies that make chicken. What makes Chick-fil-A so special? It's the principles of the kingdom. When you honor them, when you live them, when you trust them, when you step out on them, you'll see the superior kingdom active in your life. And he says this here, pull it back up. I believe that you can combine biblical principles, come on, and good, pull it back up, and good business practices. I testified before Congress on how to be honest and successful at the same time. Principles, the principles, the principles, the principles. So Jesus says this here in Mark 16, verse 15. He says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. So the kingdom is active. The kingdom is in um, the stock market. The kingdom is in politics. The kingdom is in the White House. There are people, the kingdom is, is, it's in the hospitals through people. The kingdom is in technology. It's on Silicon Valley. There are people that God has strategically positioned to, to reach their sphere of influence. When, when you enter into the kingdom, you, you, you have a purpose. You have a destiny. There's a difference that you're called to make in your sphere of influence. The kingdom is in the barbershops. I love barbers who get saved and give their lives to Jesus and they can cut hair like Frank. They're able to use that chair as a, as a ministry. They pray over people as they cut hair. They spread the good news. They, hey, Jesus loves you. And man, there's something different about you. The kingdom is, is everywhere. It is unseen. But if you open your eyes and if you look around at some of the people who seem a little bit different, they're, they're not different because they're goody two-shoes. They're different because they've been redeemed by a risen Savior and they've positioned themselves. Lord, I'm a mechanic. I'm going to advance it. I'm a pastor. I'm going to advance it. I'm a quarterback. I'm a cook. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a nurse. I'm a doctor. I'm a financier. I'm a this, I'm a that. I'm going to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. It's active. He said, go. Don't, don't sit in rooms like this and leave me here. Go. There's a dying world. Go. Get, get past. Get past that shame and that brokenness and that pain. There's a purpose on your life. Go. Dream again. Have faith again. Praise again. Go. Spread the good news. Go. Go. So many people out there have your same story. But they, they need you to, to go. It's active. And there is only one response to the kingdom. And, and here it is. That's what, that's, that I would devote my life to the king. That I would devote my life to the king. Once again, we're going to go to Brother Paul because Paul was awesome. He, he had a lot of kingdom citizenship things to say in Philippi. So I think week three, we're going to say conduct yourselves because that's going to be right before the election. You see how we're setting this up? <laughs> conduct yourselves as citizens of the kingdom. So strap on your seatbelts for that. That might be a little tough. 
but we're going to conduct ourselves. I'm going to give you a little bit of that week three stuff. I said this before, vote your values. Don't just vote party. Vote your values. Here it is. Here it is. But this is how you conduct yourself as citizens. Value voters more. Because there's going to be someone that, that, that you're at odds with, but they're not going to vote like you. As a, as a citizen of heaven, your call is to love them and value them and pray for them. So you vote, but you love people and you pray for people that aren't voting like you. That, that's kingdom. He, he, Paul says this. He says, make, make every effort to be unified in the church. So like go out of your way. Like, I don't want to argue with you. I love you. We agree to disagree. Kingdom citizenship. It says this here in Philippians chapter two. We'll close out with this. It says, verse six, though he was God, talking about Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. Thank you, Lord and was born as a human being. He, he came from <laughs> comfort and the angels worshiping him. The Bible says in Revelation 24, seven, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. He, he came from that and, and became a slave. And it says this here, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to his father and died my death on a cross. Therefore, just a little pro tip here for when you study your scripture, always ask yourself, what is it therefore? Go back a few verses. Because Jesus did what he did, God did this for Jesus. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, eventually every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth. Paul said, I ain't missing not a soul. And under the earth, that's hell. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. I don't know about you, Frank, but you don't bow down to a parent. You don't bow down to a supervisor. You bow down to a king. And, and, and so what do you do? If you haven't, I admonish you, I urge you, devote your life to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for, for your word today, God. We thank you that you're good and you're faithful. We thank you for the kingdom of heaven. We thank you that one day that kingdom is going to be fully realized and experienced in eternity. Lord, if there is someone here who does not know you as Lord and Savior, God, I ask that you would draw them to you, that they would know that you have been chasing them all of their lives, 
that your love for them has never failed, and that that love was fully expressed on the cross. And if that be you and you're saying this morning, Lord, I'm giving it all up. I'm tired of running from God. I want to be born again. I want to be made new. I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross and shedding your blood for my sin. I believe that you rose from the grave and I repent of my sin. I am yours. Father, I ask for the gift of your spirit in my heart and that you would give me the grace to glorify you all the days of my life. I am yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Let's put your hands together. Praise God. Love you guys. Come on, let's celebrate.